Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat on it in, the, on, sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And now verse, no, excuse me, let's keep going. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And now let's go to verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He, not, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. It puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade, 
with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. He explained everything. And this morning, we are going to focus on that first parable of the sower. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this word. We ask that you would give us ears to hear this morning. Um, Give us hearts that are soft and open to receive what you have to say. And by your spirit, germinate something new in us. Uh, Bear fruit in our lives because we have um, had your word planted deep in us this morning. Uh, Because it's only if you do that uh, that we grow in grace. We ask that you do that for our good and your glory. In Christ's name, amen. I have, I have this seed that Nancy Pressler gave me. I thought if I'm going to get a seed, I'm going to get it from the expert. And uh, I don't know if you can see that from where you're sitting. Does that look powerful? Does that, does that look powerful to you? Think for just a second about how, how a seed planted in the soil germinates and then it has to push its way up uh, through the, the soil that's on top of it and it bursts out of darkness into the light of day. It takes power. Now... Think about the power of a seed to split a rock in half. Now, now think about the power of a seed to crack open a grave. And now, think about the life uh, that's in a seed that grows one of the largest trees in the world. Uh, This is uh, General Sherman, um, a sequoia in California. General Sherman is over 2,000 years old. And though it is the largest tree by volume, it's not the tallest, but even General Sherman is as tall as a football field is long. General Sherman started as a tiny seed, actually one smaller than this one. You can fit thousands of sequoia seeds on a paper plate. Think about the fact that though General Sherman looks nothing like the seed that it once was, Everything that General Sherman is was in the little seed. 
one tiny seed. There's a lot of power in a seed. And that's what Jesus wants you to hear this morning in Mark chapter 4. He wants you to hear the gospel is the seed that has the power to change everything. The gospel is the seed that has the power to change everything. The good news about Jesus, the crucified king, has the power to break your rock-hard heart, to crack open the curse of death that's on you and raise you to new life. The gospel has the power to make you become something that you are not. The question is, can we hear that? The question is, do we really believe that? Jesus is asking us this morning in this parable of the seed and the sower, do we have ears to hear? Do we have a heart to believe? Is the good news about the crucified king taking root and bearing fruit in our lives? You can have that seed. As I hear Jesus tell this parable, I have three questions for Jesus that I imagine perhaps the disciples had for him and that he answers. My first question is, what is this seed that you say changes everything? My second question for Jesus is, why do I have such a hard time believing that the gospel is powerful? How does good news change everything? And my third question for Jesus is, so what do I do now? How can I have that powerful seed change me? Jesus answers my first question, what, what is the seed, in verse 14. He says, the sower sows the word. The seed that changes everything is the word. What word is that? Well, if you remember, back in chapter 1, in verses 14 and 15, Mark described Jesus as the sower scattering seed. He said... After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news. That's what gospel means. So Jesus was sowing the seed as a herald announcing the good news that the king that was promised had finally come. The king that was promised had finally won. And that king who laid down his life for us wants us to lay down our lives at his feet now and forever. Jesus came heralding that good news. And Mark has been showing us that the gospel is the story about who Jesus is and what he came to do. So remember, Mark has shown us so far that Jesus is the king of a new creation. All of the healings that Jesus has done so far have been pictures of what he wants to do, he will do in his people physically one day, but it's what he wants to do even now in us spiritually. He wants to heal us. He wants to mend us, to restore us, 
uh, in our relationship with him back to the wholeness that we were created for. And all of the miraculous exorcisms of demons, shutting them up and sending them out of people, are pictures of what Jesus wants to do in all of us. He wants to free us from the tyranny of the devil. He wants to free us from the grip of our enemy. Jesus came to be the king of a new creation. He wants to make you a new creation, as Paul said. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. And that's what the gospel does. It makes us new. Um, the gospel is also the true story of Jesus who came to be the king of a new community as we've seen so far in Mark. Last week we saw that Mark called to himself a messy group of guys, a 12, not tribes, but apostles, and he promised that he would make them into his new community. Um, he promised that he would make them um, not necessarily a community like Israel, who had the commandments of the first four, loving God, and the last six, loving people. Yes, this new community would obey the Ten Commandments, but they would do it with a new heart. They would love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They would love their neighbor as Christ has loved them. That requires transformation. And Jesus has come to be the king of that new community and to make us new. This is the story of the gospel. This is the story of King Jesus coming to make new creations out of us and bringing us together into his new community. And we read even about that in 1 Peter this morning. And yes, in 1 Peter this morning. But this brings me to the second question I have for Jesus. Okay, if, if the seed is the, the word, the message, the gospel, the good news of that story about the crucified king coming to make new creations who live in a new community, then why do I have such a hard time believing that gospel? I mean, it's the word. It's just words, isn't it? They're small. I've heard these words over and over again. Where's the power? Where's the change? How can the announcement of good news change me or anyone else for that matter? Have you thought about that? How does news, good news, change somebody? As I was thinking on that this week, I, I thought back to New Year's Day, 1863, when President Abraham Lincoln declared freedom for the slaves in his Emancipation Proclamation. It took till 1865 for the 13th Amendment to uh, forever abolish slavery in our country and to ratify what Lincoln had declared. But, but think about the power of that good news to change the life of a slave. Good news can change a life. And not just a life, but the, traje the trajectory, easy for me to say, of a nation and a, and a people. 
And it did. Of course, none of us can appreciate what that good news must have meant to those men and women. Um, None of us have any inkling of an idea of what it means to be a slave like that. But if you think from what we know and understand about what it meant to be a slave on a plantation, imagine what the good news of your freedom would do to your life. But here's the problem. Even though the president declared it and the 13th Amendment ratified it, even though it was bought by blood, the good news of that freedom took time to take root on the plantations, particularly of the South. Because, for one thing, slave owners opposed it. Some slave owners kept their slaves ignorant of that good news. Other owners threatened slaves' harm if they acted on that good news and left. So the good news was opposed, but also the good news of freedom had trouble taking root because of the the hearts of the slaves themselves. The fear of living as a freed slave in a hostile and hateful world kept some of them from leaving plantations and enjoying their freedom. And then the everyday cares of, how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to earn a a living now? The fear of, how are my needs and my wants and desires, how, how, how are those going to be met? Bound them and kept them from believing the good news of their freedom. And friends, that's what Jesus tells us in this parable. The good news about Jesus is powerful, and it can change us, but sometimes the good news doesn't take root in our hearts and lives, and there are reasons for this. First of all, Jesus says one reason is that they're opposed. The good news is opposed Um, There is an enemy who will do whatever he can to keep that good news from reaching your heart. Jesus said, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So one reason the gospel, the story of Jesus, the crucified king, is not taking root and bearing fruit in us is because we're not hearing it. We're not hearing it. The enemy of the gospel is working overtime to keep you from hearing the good news about your freedom in Jesus. Paul said the same thing in a different way in 2 Corinthians. He said, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Satan comes and he snatches away the story of Jesus before we even get a chance to hear it. Satan comes and he tries to put a veil over the gospel so that we can't even see it. Why would he do that? Why would a slave owner keep the good news from their slaves about their freedom? Because he fears it. Because he knows how powerful that good news is. Why would Satan want to keep you and me from hearing the good news of the gospel? Because he fears it. He knows the power of that good news to change you. He knows that he will lose his grip 
He knows that Jesus, the stronger man, will come in, as we saw last week, into the strong man, Satan's house, bind him up, and take the people that he has plundered, that he has kept as plunder. He knows that the gospel is the good news that in Jesus, sin, Satan, and death have been, as Paul said, disarmed and put to open shame by Jesus' triumph on the cross. He knows that, as Hebrews says, through, through death, Jesus destroyed the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and, and he has delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Satan does not want that good news to take root and bear fruit in you, in me, in this church, on this mountain. He doesn't want it. So one of the reasons we struggle so much with believing the gospel is because there is someone who's trying to keep you from even hearing it. He's working hard. He's working hard to keep you from learning the story of Jesus, from loving it, and from then living in it. And so here's where I have to do my pastoral thing and ask you, and as I ask myself, are we availing ourselves of opportunities to learn and love the story of Jesus so that we can live in it? Are you reading your Bible? Or, as I hear men especially say, I'm not a reader. Okay, that's fine. I get that. You can listen to it. Welcome to the 21st century. If you, have, if you want to know how, you talk to me. I will set you up with an app where you can listen to the Bible when you're driving to work. But are you, are you hearing God speak to you through his word, whether it's by reading or listening to it? Are you, are you listening, are you really listening to the preaching of the word of God? Now, I know it's my job to try to make that as easy for you as possible, but even on the days when I don't do that well, are you really trying to, to hear God speak through his word as it's preached? We're trying to offer you other opportunities for the seed to fall on your heart. Sunday school, Bible studies for men and women and teenagers. Um, they're not perfect, but let me tell you, the seed is being thrown in those places. But if you're not there, the seed can't fall on you. And by the way, I don't get paid more because more people come to Sunday school. So this is, has nothing to do with job security for me. It's all to do with whether you get fed the gospel. Are you having conversations with others about the good news of the gospel, about the story of Jesus? Are you talking with each other about what it means in your life? Are you memorizing it? Maybe, maybe Bible study is difficult or reading it, maybe you should just take a couple of verses and put them in memory and chew on them. In order to get yourself in a place where you're going to hear God's word and fight the enemy who doesn't want you to hear it, in order for you to get to a place where you're 
learning the story of Jesus and then your heart is growing to love the story of Jesus, you're going to have to put yourself under the seed where the seed is falling. You're going to have to give up some other things so that you can make time for that. I preach to myself. Because I need to not just be reading the Bible so I can preach. I need to be reading the Bible for my own personal life. And I do. But I can do more. Do you believe that you have an enemy who wants to keep you from hearing the story of Jesus? Because Jesus says, you do have one. And only probably you can tell whether he's succeeding or not. But then Jesus goes on, and, and another reason the gospel doesn't take root and bear fruit in our lives is because of our own fear, because of our own hearts. And first, he, he talks about a fear of rejection. Jesus said, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, and they endure for a little while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, on account of the gospel, on account of this story about Jesus, immediately they fall away. If I really live as if the story of Jesus is true, I will be rejected by those who don't. This summer, we went to Orlando as a family, and for the first time, went to Universal Studios, which was sort of a mecca for my Harry Potter-loving children. Um, and uh, we went to the one that has the Hogwarts castle and all that stuff. And um, I was amazed at how many people were there for that, for the Harry Potter experience. And as I looked around, you know, we were our typical selves, you know, we're, we're fans, we kind of like Harry a little bit, but there are some people that bothered me, that concerned me. There are some people who looked and dressed and tried to act like Harry and Hermione. I mean, the robes, the wands, the pointy hats, weird. You would think that they think they live in the wizarding world, that they live in the story of Harry Potter. And there they were. They were. It's one thing to be a fan, but it's another thing to be a fanatic, right? Friends, that's exactly what the people in your world are going to think if you live as if the story of Jesus is true and you are part of it. They're going to go, uh, it's okay to be a fan of Jesus, you know, but let's not be fanatics. Let's not, let's not expect that he actually rules our lives and wants to tell us how we should live. You know, he's kind of in the Harry Potter realm, isn't he? Another story. Fear of rejection is going to keep the story of Jesus from taking root and bearing fruit in your life and mine.
because we're afraid of what others will think if we live like we belong to Jesus, the crucified king. There's another fear that Jesus talks about, and that's the fear of missing out. Jesus said, and others, other seeds, are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. There's a fear of missing out that Jesus is addressing here. First, a fear of missing out on what I need, you know, what I think I need. He says, the cares of the world will come in and choke. It's, it's the question, will Jesus really take care of me? Will he really take care of my family? Will he really take care of my needs? Will he really take care of my health, my relational needs? Will he really do something about my loneliness? Will he, will he really help me find work? Will he really help me in school? I'm afraid that if I follow Jesus, he's going to disappoint me. He's going to let me down. He, I, there's other things I need to do. I've got to take care of myself. So I'm going to concentrate on these things. When I think about the cares of this world uh, coming in and choking out, I think about uh, the mom who's at home with the kids who is, the cares of the, her world are diapers, dishes, laundry. When in the world am I going to get a nap? When you're 80, sorry. Um, the cares of this world, you know, Jesus, I know you're real, I, I think you are, but can you be real right here in the midst of the dirty diapers and the dirty dishes and the tired mama that I am? All of the cares of this world will tempt us to believe that Jesus isn't real. That he isn't really making me a new creation. That he isn't really involving me in a new community because look how isolated I am. I don't get to see anybody because I'm always here with these kids and they expect three meals a day. It's really easy for the cares of this world to choke out my trust that Jesus is who he says he is. And we'll do what he says he did. He'll do. I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on what I need, and that he's not going to take care of it. What else do I think I need? Jesus said the deceitfulness of riches will come in and choke out the word. One of the ways that I can keep from missing out on what I need is if I make lots of money, because then I can have what I'm, I need. I have a millionaire friend, I think I only have one that I'm aware of, and he told me one time, he said, listen, I'll be honest with you, money solves lots of problems. It does. Solves lots of problems. Something breaks, hire the guy to fix it. Money solves lots of problems. But he said in his wisdom, but it can't solve all the problems and it especially can't solve the most important ones. But we are deceived by riches to think that they will give us what we need. And we believe the story that if I have wealth, I'll have what I need. And Jesus says, 
You start believing that story, it's going to choke out mine. And you're going to start trusting your riches instead of me. So the fear of missing out on what we think we need, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches want to come in and squeeze out. When Jesus says that his story teaches us that all we need is Jesus and whatever he chooses to give us. And he wants us to get to the place where we believe and live as if we know this, that all we want is Jesus and whatever he chooses to give us. Missing out on what I want is the other thing Jesus talks about. He says the desires for other things can come in and choke out the true story of Jesus. My obsession with possessions basically says this about my heart, that I believe, Jesus, you're not enough. So, like those slaves on the plantation, we have an enemy that wants to take that good news away from us so that we don't live in the good news of our freedom. And our own hearts are afraid to live in that story because we're afraid that he's not going to take care of us. But the difference between the slaves on the plantation and the believer in Jesus, the disciple of Jesus, is that there's nothing to be afraid of. The enemy is defeated, and all the things you and I are afraid of missing out on, we have in Christ. And he will take care of us. I can't imagine those slaves thought, if I leave this, yeah, great. Thanks for telling me I'm free. But if I walk off this plantation, I'm dead. Either by starvation or otherwise. Jesus says, you're free. Walk off the plantation. I'm with you. And so now my third question for Jesus is, so what do you want me to do now? How can I have that powerful seed change me? And this is what he says in verse 20. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. So three things. Hear the word. Get yourself under the seed. Get yourself in the place where the seed is being sown. What do I mean by that? On the front of our bulletin, we have five things are the means of grace. In other words, they're the places where God's grace is, is thrown like seed. It's, so if you want to be where the seed of the gospel, the story of Jesus is being sown, get in his word, come to worship. I'm preaching to the choir right now because you're here. But be here. Don't just show up here. Be here. The uh, worship, which includes the sacrament of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, prayer. Fellowship. And service. Those are the places where the seed is thrown out. Those are the places where we're reminded that the story we live in is the story of Jesus who is making us new. And making us one. So repent. Turn away from whatever is keeping you from learning and loving the story of Jesus. Whatever that looks like for you. 
you're going to have to carve out some stuff so that you have time to let the seed soak in. So hear the word. The other thing you and I can do is accept the word, Jesus said. The soil that accepts it, that receives it. In other words, believe the story of Jesus is true. In order to do that, listen, this is what I was thinking, and I wrote this down. In order to accept and receive the story of Jesus, we must fear losing Jesus more than we fear losing friends, losing family, or losing faith. We must fear missing out on the new creation and the new community of King Jesus more than we fear missing out on a new house, new clothes, new cars, a new phone, new toys, new relationship, or whatever else may tempt us to desire something other than Jesus and whatever he chooses to give us. So turn away, repent, turn away from whatever you're loving more than Jesus and desiring more than him. Believe the gospel. Trust that no matter what is going on in your world, whether it's tribulation or persecution or the cares of your life or the lack of health or the lack of wealth that you desire, trust that no matter what's going on in your world, King Jesus was crucified and raised to life so that in all those things and even through all those things, he will make you become a new creation and a new community. Hear and accept the word of the gospel. That's what you can do by God's grace, obviously. But then, how will you know that the gospel is taking root in your life? You'll know it's taking root because it bears fruit. Remember the message of Jesus. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near in me. I'm here. Repent and believe the good news. So, We've repented, we've believed and received the good news, the seed of the good news, and then Jesus said, follow me. So the proof that those first disciples had repented and believed the gospel is that they followed him. It took root in them, and they began to orbit their their lives around Jesus and his story rather than asking him to orbit his life around them and their story. When your life starts to bear the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus, when you start to love like Jesus and have joy like Jesus and the peace of Jesus, the gentleness of Jesus and the faithfulness of Jesus and the self-control of Jesus, you'll know that you've been believing the gospel because you'll know that's not something you did. Friends, hear this. Jesus once told his disciples that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a seed alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The gospel is the story, the good news, the announcement that Jesus is the seed that suffered in your place and died. Jesus is the seed that fell into the earth. 
And Jesus is the seed that on the third day was raised to new life for you. And if that seed lives in you, he will break your rock-hard heart. Jesus will break off, crack open the curse of death on you and make new life spring out of you. And Jesus will make you become what you were not. Actually, Jesus will make you become what the seed of his image in you always meant, was always meant to be. And you will become like Jesus, who is the human that we should all look like. One of the ways that we hear and receive this gospel seed is in this table. Paul said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of Jesus until he comes again. When you eat this bread and drink this cup, I want you to say to Jesus, try this today. I want you to say to Jesus, Jesus, I have heard that you died and rose again to become the king of a new creation and a new community. I accept that good news as I trust that this is the truest story as I trust that it's my story. Help me, Jesus, by your spirit to live in the freedom of your proclamation of my emancipation. Lord Jesus, by your spirit and by your gospel, come, break my rock-hard heart. Make new life come out of death and make me become what I'm not. For the world's good and for your glory. Let's pray. Father, would you come even now as we meet at this table and plant the seed deep in us by your grace, break up the, the hard-heartedness in us, plant Jesus deep inside us, water that seed by the Spirit, feed it, nourish it by the body and blood of Jesus this morning. And would you cause us to bear fruit? And would you cause this church to continue to bear fruit? Maybe we're only bearing 30-fold, but we want 100-fold. Would you cause more fruit to be born in us because Jesus is planted in us? We ask in his name. Amen.